Good morning. I want to extend Christian greetings to each one. The Lord has blessed us with a, a beautiful day. It's that time of the year when the Lord is doing His handiwork in the, in the beauty of nature. This morning I want to preach on a subject that I believe Satan is, is using to, to steal hearts away from God. And the title is Victim Mentality. A year or so ago you, you heard of, of victim groups in, in large cities rioting, looting, destroying property to, to get attention. And their message was, we are being taken advantage of and we need justice and a better place and a, and a better place of life. And so they destroy property and they feel, feel justified in it to get attention because they feel they are victims and in their actions, they made other victims. And I wish I could tell you this morning that the victim mentality is, is only found in, in large cities. And also out in the world, but unfortunately, it has found its way into the church. And, yeah, sometimes into my own heart. And I want us to understand that there are places we begin to, to go that direction. And I also want to help us to understand people who are caught in the victim mentality. And to help us understand the, the background, we need to, to know where did it start? Where did it come from? You don't need to turn to it, but in, in Genesis 3, there in the Garden of Eden, you know the story that, that Adam and Eve were created and all the, the beautiful things of creation. A garden of perfection loaded with beautiful fruit trees. And I don't know how many fruit trees there, there was. I'm sure it wasn't less any less than what we have today. And I'm sure there were there was apples and pears and, and plums and peaches and all the good things we enjoy today. And so to so to get this into perspective, let's imagine there were there were one thousand trees in the garden of Eden. And the Lord said, Adam, you may eat of the nine hundred and ninety nine trees. But there's one that you may not eat of. How many of you would like to spend a week in the Garden of Eden? Yeah, I think we all would. Sometimes you'll see a picture of some, some large, beautiful peaches and your mouth just waters at the, at the sight of it. But there in the garden, the fruit was perfect. There was, there was no blight, no worms, no bugs, no dark spots, no soft spots. 
none of it was deformed. It was perfect. There was, there was beauty and perfection. Adam should have said, God is so kind to me. I am so blessed. I am provided for. Adam should have said, life is wonderful. This garden is great. I like nothing. And he did that for a while. And he, he fellowshiped with God. And one day, Satan slithered into the garden in, in the form of a, of a snake. And he started a conversation. And this is, this is what he said in essence. He says, God is cheating you. You are cheated. You are deprived of something. You see what's happening? God knows when you eat of that tree, something good is going to happen to you, and he's keeping it from you. Satan didn't remind him that there were 999 good trees. Now I'm using that number for a comparison. But he says, look, God is holding you back. God is, God is hurting you. God is against you. God's laws keep you, keep you back from good. And Adam should have said, God is for me. God's laws are, are good for me. But you see how this got started in the voice of Satan and, and Adam and Eve. He fell, fell for it. And as you follow this story, the next thing that happens is God calls them into question. And what happened? They shifted the blame. A victim is never to be blamed. It's, it's somebody else's fault. And so God came to Adam and, and you know what Adam said? That woman that you gave me. And then you know what Eve said? Oh, the serpent beguiled me. That's a victim mentality. Victims have a, a chorus of, of ready-made responses such as, I grew up dirt poor. My parents didn't love me. I had no parents. My grandma raised me. Dad was never home. Dad was too strict. Mom let me get away with everything. I had too many sisters and brothers. All I had were hand-me-downs. People like me are always, hold, always held down. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too dumb. I'm smarter than anyone else. Why isn't life fair? And one of my favorites is, don't blame me. Satan made me do it. And the list could go on. And some of these excuses are the exact opposite of others. And you've probably heard some of these. And maybe you've even uttered a few of those excuses from time to time. In some cases, victims may have been the unfortunate target of, of wrongdoings committed by others 
or otherwise suffered from some tragedy through no fault of their own. Whether or not those responses are real or just convenient excuses, deciding to make a positive change is the only way to subdue and, and even vanquish all our feelings of inferiority. We're not always going to understand why bad things happen. I've had several businesses that, that didn't work out. Am I a victim? I certainly am. Does that make, give me an excuse to, to bury my head in the sand? No. Things like being passed over for a promotion or, or even worse, not getting the job in the first place is unfortunate. Being hassled by others for any reason is, is certainly not pleasant. But remember, you're only a victim to the degree of what your perception accepts. In the next chapter, chapter 4 of Genesis, we, we have the account of, of Cain and Abel. Cain took the victim mentality and he said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. What was his punishment? It was a mark on his head. He was driven from civilization and God said he would always be a vagabond. And he complained that whoever found him would kill him. And so God placed a sign on his forehead to protect him from being slain. Why was he concerned about his own welfare when he had just killed his own brother? A victim says, my life is, is terrible. I can't carry this. How do you think Abel felt in his dying moments? If he could speak today, what would he say? A victim doesn't care about Abel. He cares about Cain who, who feels life is tough. And this problem looms over us, giving free reign to a woe is me mentality or look what I suffered or why did this happen to me? This will not only pull you down, it's, it's likely to, to keep you down. The Bible never promises we can reach our destinations without trials, tribulations, or without heartfelt disappointments. Nor are we guaranteed to understand the, the circumstances and, and conditions we have to live through. Life isn't fair. Life is not equal for all. Life has never been, and life will never be equal for all. Followers of Christ need to step up and rise above their difficulties. God doesn't allow suffering unless he has a purpose for it. And not to be trite, but the expression, no pain, no gain, is often true. And for example, there are, there are inmates who personally 
acknowledge that going to prison was one of the best things that ever happened to them. There they encountered Christ for the first time in their life. And for many inmates, when they were visited by folks from a prison ministry, it was the first time they experienced genuine, unconditional love from anyone. We may not understand the destinations and, and purposes of our lives at any given time, but isn't that what, what faith is all about? We live under a big God who, who cares about my problem and wants to help me through it. And so often people say, life is a, is a complex puzzle. Understand my problem and you'll understand me. On the other hand, there are some who say, life is a complex puzzle understand God and then you'll understand me. You see the huge difference in focus? The one says, as I come to learn to, to know you, you have to tell me all about the, the difficult things that, that you live with so that I can Understand why you are the way you are. Why you do the things you do. Why you act the way you, you do. On the other hand, there are those who say, Oh, so you know my God. Paul, when he was in prison, said, You don't know my God, but being in prison is, is really a good thing. He said, Men are preaching and, and becoming bold. God is so much, so much bigger than my problem. You don't hear Paul writing about his, his prison experience. He's talking about his God. We can choose to fellowship around our problem or we can, we can fellowship around our God. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 <clears throat> when you hear the word flesh think of the mind as the mind is the controlling component of our overall flesh I'd like to begin reading at verse 9 and read through verse 13 Romans 8 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. 
But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Don't let your mind control you to accept less than your best. Don't accept self-induced negative assessments that are, that are bad for you. Problems must first be recognized and acknowledged before they can be, before they can be corrected. Now let's, let's read on. Verses 14 to 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Fears of our mind can enslave us. So whether by our own minds or, or actual circumstances we endure sufferings but we must also look forward to our to our future glory let's continue reading verses 18 to 21 for i reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of god for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Frustrations, sufferings, bondage, and decay abound. Victims by, by definition are those that have experienced persecution, abuse, or trauma of some sort. They are going through an, an array of emotions, giving thought or excuses to, to real or, or imagined, internal and or external justifications. And as they, as they feel oppressed, they, they try to wrap their minds around what just happened. Some become unreasonably angry. And we'll look at this later. And they, they lash out against anybody or everybody. Their, their minds often go into a state of crisis. On the other hand, some, some feel ashamed. They feel betrayed. They feel cheated. They're fearful. They're scared. Violated or just, just plain weak. And many times people even feel, feel frozen and incapable of action by their situation. And yet they feel obliged to 
cast the blame on, on someone or something else. Victims even have email groups where they share about their problems. And I'm not saying we, we shouldn't share our problems with others, but when we, when we dwell solely on our problems, it, it wears us down. We continue to be in bondage that continues to spiral downward. We have to change our focus. We can be like Paul and, and suffer all the things that he did and, and write the wonderful book of Philippians. Victims see every personal problem as a, as a major catastrophe. No one else has ever faced what I have faced. You just don't understand. Every little hurt is, is nursed and fostered over till in their mind it's, it's a huge injustice. It's all they can talk about at the, at the family gathering. And it consumes them. And as you, as you listen to them, at times you want to say, you know what? You make it a whole lot worse than what it really is. Now, just get over it. But that's not the right way to, to work with that. But as they talk about it, it continues to, to get worse. Because they get something out of, of being a victim. And I believe they find advantages to being labeled as the victim. Yeah, their whinings are heard. And frequently sympathy is bestowed in their direction. It may seem, seem strange to us. But sometimes it's much more snug and comfortable to consider yourself the victim. Some people grow used to, to feeling sorry for themselves. Throwing pity parties and inviting others to, to join in. They, they're wanting us to say, you poor thing. You have it so bad. You know, it's, you really have it tough. And don't get me wrong, we all, we all might in, enjoy a little, little pity once in a while. Psychologists talk about repressed memories. Child trauma. Those things can be real. Those things do affect a person. Those things cannot just be ignored. My Bible doesn't tell me how to, to go back into repressed memories and how to bring that out. But it does tell me how to, to make choices today on my life and be responsible as seeing God is almighty and my life is in His hands. Victims blame their needs 
problems and sins on, on circumstances, events, and, and others. There's a lot of things I face in life that I face because someone else is around me. But that's how God designed it. There's a lot of things I face in life because there's a workplace and there's an environment in the workplace and that's how God designed it. It's not the workplace's fault for, for what I face. God has a purpose in it for me. You see, the difference is in how we look at it. Victims picture themselves as having no control in life. Since they have no control over this happening to them, then you know what happens next. They're not responsible. I can't control this, therefore I can't help what comes out of it. And there was once a father who went to his pastor and, and said, take my children and raise them. I can't do it. He had a physical condition, but he was a victim. And today his children are living in less than ideal situations. They are not where their father wanted them. Victims create an island for themselves and their problems. They say things like, you cannot understand me and are committing an injustice towards me unless you are part of my victimized group. You can't understand me. You haven't faced this. You're not my race. And you don't have a clue unless you would walk in my skin. There can be other victims on the island and, and they understand each other. And I realize there are differences in people's lives. Growing up or not growing up in a Mennonite church impacts us. Victims burn through relationships quickly and repeatedly. That's a sign of someone with a victim mentality. Sometimes we do need help. We need to talk about things. We need to realize that we have a sovereign God and that He allows these things to, to happen to me. They are for my growth. Victims are are beyond help unless they choose to look at life differently. That's not to, to limit the grace of God. It's not to limit the, the power of God. God is powerful and the gospel can, can break hard shells. When an individual chooses the victim lifestyle and they learn to live on it and get the attention they need and, 
and they like the control they get while they while they love that you cannot help them you've got to be willing to to embrace a different mindset turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought upon you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. What he's saying is, you've got to get it together. You can't have a a mind untrained, unpatterned, undisciplined, and serve the Lord through life. We could turn to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Where it says. Bringing every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. We are responsible for. The thoughts that we. That we have about life. I believe the, the victim mentality. Is a huge control tactic. They pose as as out of control. They pose as, as life happening to them, but the goal underneath is to control you. And if you live with a victim, you you walk around on, on eggshells because it's going to explode if you say the wrong thing. It's basically an adult temper tantrum. And if you're here this morning and you have the victim mentality, then I know you've you wrote me off because you're saying that I don't understand. And I trust there's no one here to to that level. And I'll admit that my heart at times is tempted to be a victim. I know that my own heart is tempted to to control by acting the victim. And I imagine that you too are human and that you are tempted as well. Well, Jesus shatters the victim mentality We're tempted to think of ourselves as as helpless lambs being dragged to the slaughter. But faith in Jesus makes us more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Nothing, no matter how painful or powerful, should separate us from the love of Christ. As we believe in Christ, we should also accept ourselves. That can make us victorious no matter what has happened or what we face. Our love of God can can help transcend the victim mentality. Turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Verses 6 and 7. 
Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. We cannot exaggerate the bigness of God. God is the creator of the universe. Men, do you believe that when we as boys would, would take a BB gun and go out to the barn and, and shoot a sparrow that God saw it? Yeah, He saw it. It wasn't, it wasn't wrong to do that. <laughs> we were just cutting down on the, on the disease that, that these birds would carry. And yet, God noticed when that bird dropped. And he knows the numbers of hairs on your head. Yes, the presence of them and also the lack of them. Why would God take the time to, to know how many hairs are on your head? He tells us there in verse 7. Because you are of more value than many sparrows. God sees to it that that the sparrows find food. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 15. Here we have the story of the, of the prodigal son. <clears throat> Let's read verses 14 to 17. And when he had spent all, <clears throat> there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. He knew his father's hired servants had plenty. He could see the way the, the servants were, were blessed. He never said, but I was taken advantage of. He never said, my big brother is, is terrible and, and my father used me to get rich. No, he doesn't say any of that. He doesn't sound like a victim. Notice what he says in verse 18 and 19. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. What did he do? He took responsibility. He said, I have sinned. He didn't blame his brother or his father. He said, I'm not worthy to be a son. I just, I just want to be a servant. Let's look a little further. His brother was the victim. 
Look at verse 25 and 26. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He wouldn't even go into the house. He asked one of the servants, what was going on? He stood off at a distance. You see, it was a control thing. He was suspicious. He was critical. Why is there a party? I don't know what, was, what all was going through his mind. He told one of the servants to go check. He wanted to know what was going on. And they found out and they told him and and verse 28 says, he was angry. It says, and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He was angry. Angry that a brother repented. Angry that a man gets right with God. Angry that a man returns. That's where the, that's where the victim spirit leads us. His father comes out to entreat him and he says, I've served you many years. He even says, I never transgressed you. I'm perfect. I deserve something from you. You never gave me a kid. What did he tell the son? He says, everything I have is yours. He was a victim. There is tremendous power and victory when we, are, when we are like the prodigal son. When we take responsibility for our own shortcomings. Whatever happens to us goes first through the, through the hand of God. We know the story of Job and, and how Satan fussed because he felt like God had, had put a hedge around, around Job and he couldn't get to him. And God said, you can do anything but take his life. You see, it passed through the hand of God. Life happens for each of us every day. Each new day is a, is a new chapter. It's another day to, to walk with God in this journey. People paralyzed by, by self-pity need to reflect on, on how much God loves them. What Christ endured for them. And then they might find that Christ's greatest blessings far outweigh their self-perceived problems. When you, when you meet and defeat the demons that, that bind you, you may realize that a, a victory celebration is, is much more satisfying than a, than a pity party. Through God's love, you can, you can be the victor. Yes, we, we also need the help of each other to to encourage, to, to strengthen. 
Learn how to make improvements. Never hesitate to, to ask for help, especially from a Christian acquaintance. Turn the, turn the reversals of your, of your troubles into reflections of goodness and glory of Jesus. Accept your, your burdens. Suppress your troubles by placing more faith in, in Jesus. Don't go it alone. Surrender into the loving arms of Jesus. And if you see someone or, or know someone who is struggling with a, a victim's mentality, reach out in Christian love with gentleness and extend a hand up. That's what, that's what God wants us to do.